Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Other Pressure Podcast. I've been really appreciating you guys' support. The YouTube has been doing great. The Clips channel, which will be linked in the description of the YouTube video, has been doing excellent. We've been getting a couple hundred view videos over there. The Celtics one is doing incredible. So I just really appreciate you guys' support a ton. Please download on any audio platform. Let's try and get those numbers up too. And yeah, let's get right into it. First, talking about Heat versus Lakers. Now, the first game in this one we're going to talk about is Game 4. And this one was a pretty close one throughout. Uh, It was extremely, extremely tense the entire time. LeBron had a decent game. Uh, Wasn't probably as great as you'd want him to be in the fourth quarter, but still was good in the fourth quarter. Uh... Definitely got his turnovers figured out after having a really bad first quarter in turnovers where he either had four or five, I don't remember exactly, but he only ended up with six on the game, and this was the second game in a row with a lot of turnovers, so that was weird to see with someone so smart like him to do that, but the Heat were playing very good defense on him, and uh, at the end of the day, the role players did step up big for this Lakers team to close out the game. Uh, KCP was massive at the end of the game, had that huge corner three, uh, just had a lot of timely buckets, a lot of timely defensive plays, brought some really nice energy, and overall he just had a super solid game, uh, scoring 15, uh, getting five assists, only one turnover, he was just really good this game, and you like to see that from the Lakers, when, uh, when they can even have a guy like Danny Green who's been really bad basically this whole playoffs, and especially in this finals. Uh, him even scoring 10 points on 50% shooting, and even 2 of 6 from 3 is good for him, because, man, his expectations have been lowered so much uh, to what the Danny Green we used to be used to seeing, where it's like he's like a 40% shooter. Now it's like, oh, if he shoots, if he shoots almost around like 35%, it's good enough. And then Anthony Davis wasn't really that great this game. Uh, He wasn't bad by any means, but he just wasn't as aggressive as you'd want him to be, uh, on the offensive end at least. But on the defensive end is where he really stepped up for this Lakers team. He was just putting on an absolute one-man show in this game on the defensive end, and it was... Uh, really, really special to watch. The way he was able to guard Jimmy Butler, who was on fire the previous game and had the best game of his career by far, uh, the way he was able to guard him was so incredible. He was really uh, forcing him to take jumpers. And even when he was taking jumpers, he was getting a good contest on him. It was just so impressive the way he was able to play defense. And we really saw that versatility from him on that end, where it's like, the Lakers were 100% confident in putting him on a wing when he's the big. And that versatility is just so helpful for this team. And it really just puts everything together because they have good defensive pieces. Like Danny Green is a decent defender. KCP is a decent defender. Dwight, uh, LeBron has been a much better defender than the previous year. Uh, you got guys like that. But Anthony Davis is the one who just really has it all just going so well for the Lakers. And he basically played center the entire game with Dwight Howard only playing seven minutes. And uh, JaVale McGee hasn't touched the floor in a long time now. So I just love seeing Anthony Davis play that much at center. And it's just crazy the defensive clinic he was able to put on, even though it wasn't a special offensive night. It was truly, truly special what he did on the defensive end. And it really shows where we're at in modern basketball, where they're confident in putting a center, because he was playing center this entire game on a wing who used to play two guard, and it worked completely well. That just shows like how crazy the defensive versatility is in the modern NBA. And I think that shows how important defensive versatility is, because Anthony Davis... Uh, Even though I don't think he deserved Defensive Player of the Year because I think Giannis had a better regular season defense, he's also more of a guy who is just like a weak side defender. And even though he's great at that and the Bucs scheme worked super well in uh, making it really hard on teams in the regular season, we're seeing in the playoffs why I think Anthony Davis, uh, while not having the best defensive regular season, is overall the best defensive player in the world. 
because his just versatility is insane. The way he can guard over the perimeter, he's one of the best post defenders in the league. He's one of the best shot blockers. He's even good at getting steals. He's good at getting deflections, and he's just so light and mobile on his feet with his great uh, size and length. So Anthony Davis was really, really incredible this game. Shout out to him. A great performance from him. And like I said, he did a great job on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had 22 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Like, it was a solid Jimmy Butler game, but it wasn't anything special. It wasn't the craziness we've basically seen the rest of the uh, series. And, yeah, Anthony Davis just uh, put his head down and made it super, super tough on Jimmy. He made him really uncomfortable and doing things that he's just not really that good at anymore. Like, the three-point shot, it's interesting to see what happened to his three-point shot because... At a certain point, I mean, if you remember in Philly, he was hitting those, like, step-back, sidestep game winners. He hit the one uh, against Charlotte where Kemba had this, I think it was 60-point game. He had the one against Brooklyn. And now the three-point uh, shot is really just not there for him. It showed flashes, but, like, in this one, he was 0-3. Like I said, uh, AD was really forcing him to take those jump shots because whenever jimmy would try and get inside it would either be a really good contest uh a block or maybe it'd be a foul but anthony davis was just playing such good defense on him and then i mean jay crowder uh hit two of seven threes he's just a pretty inconsistent player and overall i mean the issue with this game for the Heat is that just no one really stood out too much on offense. They didn't have that guy to go to. Like, Duncan Robinson had a, a very good game with 17 points, hit three of his six threes, uh, draw, drew some fouls on the threes. Tyler Hero had 21, even though a couple of those were when the game was already over. Uh, but overall, they just didn't have that offensive punch. They didn't shoot crazy from three. And they just played a good game. But they can't play a good game and beat the Lakers. They have to play a great to nearly a perfect game to beat the Lakers. And this just wasn't that. Like, Kendrick Nunn, 2 of 11, uh, shot 2 of 6 from 3. He was really, really bad this game because he's a mess on the defensive end, too. And, I mean, it's really tough for them that Goran Dragic is dealing with such a bad injury right now. Because even though there's the hope that he can come back, it's... It just doesn't sound like he's made much progress, and it sucks for him, too, because you can see it like when he was trying to warm up for the game. He wants to be out there so bad. He wants to be out there helping his guys uh, try and compete and try and come back, uh, but you just can't. His body just isn't allowing him, and that's super tough for him. That's super tough for the Heat because he was one of the best players in the in this whole playoff run for the Heat. At, at a lot of points, he was their best scorer. He was giving the Celtics a ton of problems. He was giving the Bucks problems, and he could have easily given the Lakers problems. So we're just hoping that he can get healthy because, again, I have said this throughout the entire series. I don't care who wins. I mean, I would like the Heat to win because – in a series where it's an unbiased matchup and I don't really have a favorite player on each team, I don't have a favorite team, even though I'm a Celtics fan, I, I wasn't really there for the super big Celtics versus Lakers rivalries where I don't have like bad blood with the Lakers or anything. So I just want to see the best basketball path possible, and I just want to see both teams healthy and playing good games. But speaking of good games, man, Game 5 was the... One of the, if not the best game in the entire bubble. I mean, it'd be uh, tough to say between, like, the Luka buzzer beater game. Uh, there's been so many good games in the buzzle, bubble. Game uh, 7, Celtics versus Raptors. Uh, there's been a lot of good games. But, man, this was an absolute pleasure to watch as an NBA fan. Even as a Lakers fan, which you guys lost this game with a chance to win the finals in the Kobe jerseys, which would have been which would have been a beautiful moment, man. I would have been especially if they hit that like game winner, that would have been an incredible moment. But they didn't. And Jimmy Butler once again had an insane game and he's having a one of the best finals I've ever seen. He's averaging he's damn near averaging like a thirty point triple double. I don't know how he's doing it, but he is just putting on a show right now. 35 points, 
got to the line 12 times, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, 5 steals. His playmaking is, like, even with people seeing these big numbers, his playmaking is so underrated. He is such a good passer, and he made so many incredible passes this game. And then the scoring, he was going at any and everyone who was on him. He was just keeping his foot on the gas the entire time and he was like i'm willing my team to this win no matter what he played 47 minutes basically was in the entire game and you could see after uh, he got that anthony davis foul which was what won them the game he was exhausted he was dead uh, but that's what all that work is for. That's what him waking up at 3 in the morning to do workouts is for. Is for him to be ready for moments like this. And he absolutely killed it. Put on a show. I mean, there's just nothing more I can say about him. A 35-point triple-double in an elimination game uh, where your team is uh, has their backs against the wall. Where you're missing one of your best players. Like, that's a, another legendary performance. And I've been a guy who has had Jimmy Butler basically almost as close as you can to being a superstar without actually being a superstar. But man, at this point, it's it's hard for me not to say he's a superstar because this is stuff that only superstars do. Like, he might be one of the eight or so best players in the entire world. He is incredible incredible and has had a legendary playoff run and all the props in the world to this man he's proven so many people wrong and he just keeps doing it shout out to jimmy g buckets what a performance and then duncan robinson had the game that i think all of us have been waiting for and that all of us expected that at one point we all expected the duncan robinson game at one point where he was just gonna uh hit his threes like a like crazy this game uh, in one of these games and it was going to be a problem for the team that was facing them and he scored 26 points had seven of 13 threes uh hit three of three three throws he got some and one threes he got the and one on kuzma which was so funny because kuzma was just acting like he didn't touch him at all even though it's the most like obvious uh foul ever as he just completely undercut his body and went under him uh, but yeah, an incredible performance from Duncan Robinson, and I, that could be a huge X factor in the Heat trying to come back from 3-1. I still don't expect it to happen. I've, I said Lakers in six as my prediction. That's what I'm going to keep it as. Uh, but if the Heat do want to win, especially without Goran Dragic, they're going to need some more big Duncan Robinson games. They're going to need him to play like he had in the regular season because he was definitely struggling. Uh, in this final so far, his three-point shot just wasn't hitting. And uh, like I said throughout, he's uh, still going to be such a big gravity because it's like no one's going to leave Duncan Robinson open. He's too good uh, to do that. But when he's really hitting them and he's getting uh, defenders off the ground, potentially getting them fouls or just getting open shots, it's it's tough to guard the Heat team, especially when Jimmy Butler's playing like he was. So, yeah, a great performance from Duncan Robinson. He was massive in this heat in this heat win. And uh, Kendrick Nunn did have a nice bounce back game with 14 points, shot 54.5%, shot 50% from three. And he was just solid, no turnovers. He just really didn't make many mistakes out there and was overall positive, which uh, was big for them for sure. And I really like what the Heat do because the Heat were a team that had so much uh, depth and were. Uh, credited for that all year but now that it's the finals seven man rotation you're playing your best player basically the entire game and we're seeing it work i this was a damn near perfect performance by the heat and they really played incredible in this one i mean 42.4 percent from three they only missed one free throw uh, there's nothing more I can say about them. They played incredible this game. And the Lakers played really, really good too. This was everything you'd want in a finals game and more. You saw two players go back and forth in a war. And you saw a close game where these teams just fought it out to the death, basically. LeBron James, man. 
40 points, 6 of 9 from 3, shot 71.4%, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. This felt like uh, some 28 Cleveland vibes for sure, especially when AD was going down for a little bit. And uh, even though his stat line was pretty good, he was a little more passive in the second half as he definitely seemed hobbled. Uh, from that little injury that he got earlier in the game. And that's big for the Lakers going forward because you got to have AD at 100%, especially with a team like this who's so reliant on their top two guys. And it is a little bit scary for the Lakers that LeBron had probably his best game of the playoffs so far, and they still didn't win. And they shot 37% from three, which is rare for them. But yeah, again, LeBron played just incredible this game. There's nothing you can take away from it. And uh, the battle between him and Jimmy Butler was truly special to watch as those two both had massive games. It's like, how can you stop that 40 40 points on 71.4%? And when LeBron is hitting his threes, it's like, you got to pick your poison because if you try and double him, he's going to find the open player because he's one of the best passers in NBA history. If you give him a lane to the basket, uh, he's either going to get to the basket, get fouled or finish, or he's going to kick it to the corner to an open shooter. And then if you sag off of him and he's making his threes, he's making his mid-ranges, like he was just impossible to guard this game. They did everything they could to try and stop him, but there was no stopping LeBron in this game. And he was trying to will this team to the win uh this really did look like a a desperation game and i mean they didn't win but it was still an incredible performance from from lebron and i'm completely fine with him giving up that final shot to danny green even though it's still like it's danny green and he's been so bad but like that was the right basketball play I don't care about this killer mentality stuff that people on TV are going to start talking about because he didn't take the last shot. At the end of the day, he made the right basketball play. Uh, Danny Green was shooting two or four from three before that, and that was the most wide-open shot you could get. So can't take anything away from LeBron in this performance. He basically played perfect. And then, uh, like I said, AD had a, a very solid game. I mean, 28 points, 60%, 2 of 5 from 3, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. But like I said, you could definitely tell he was a bit hobbled, and that injury was getting to him a good bit, which is something, like I said, as a Lakers fan, you should definitely be worried about, as he's had... Uh, these little knick-knack injuries and these little nagging stuff. And even though that's not something that's like going to put him out for a whole series, it's something where uh, even him just not being at 100%, even if he's playing but he's playing at 85%, that's a massive hit to the Lakers team. And, yeah, you just got to hope he's healthy. Uh, but KCP had another really good game. He's been huge for this Lakers team. Uh, overall, I mean, his box score wasn't the best with him shooting only 40%, but he hit three of eight threes, and he just made some good plays, and he continued to just bring good energy out there. Uh, and the last thing I do want to talk about is Markeith Morris. So they had the Danny Green three. That's the most wide-open shot ever. But then they get the offensive rebound, and Markeith Morris just... You could tell the second he got that ball, he was terrified. He, like, uh, stepped back in the mid-range area and then threw possibly the worst pass I have ever seen to uh, Anthony Davis. And, I mean, Anthony Davis maybe could have caught it, uh, but with how hobbled, with him being hobbled, too, you just couldn't expect him to catch that because that pass was absolutely terrible. And, I mean, he had three turnovers and zero assists. That was uh, just a meltdown at the end of the game. And you simply got to be better than that. Uh, Danny Green, you got to hit that shot. Like, obviously, you're not going to hit all those sh- all the shots in the world, uh, even if they're wide open. But that is so wide open that at the end of the day, you got to hit that. And Markeith Morris, you can't forget just how to play basketball in the middle of a finals game where you could put this team away because you don't want to give this Heat team any hope because they 
have just so much fight in them. I think the whole like, oh, they they just got so many dogs on their team is something that's a little outplayed for most teams. But it's really true with the Heat. You got just so many guys who fit this Heat culture, and they're with this culture, they're never gonna get up. And with Jimmy Butler as their leader, uh, you can never count them out because they're just gonna always stay in it somehow, some way. And we're just hoping Goran Dragic can be back. We're hoping they can win game six and make this a seven-game series because I'd be so excited. I still do have the Los Angeles Lakers winning game six uh, tomorrow night. And then, uh, depending on that, you'll get a Monday episode. I did wait to record this till Saturday uh, just because I wanted to see what happened this game. I wanted to see if I was going to have to make uh, what's next for the Lakers and the Heat or if I was going to have to talk about the Heat potentially coming back from down 3-1. But I still don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but they can make this a close series, and they're just going to keep fighting. They're never going to go away. That's what you got to love about this Miami Heat team. They're so fun to watch, and I just love how they play basketball. They play basketball the right way. They move the ball around, and then at the end of the game, they give it to their borderline, if not superstar guy in Jimmy Butler, who's had an incredible run. So yeah, shout out to the Heat. Shout out to the Lakers. One of the best games, if not the best of the entire bubble. And this is exactly what you want to see in finals basketball. We are seeing a lot closer games. And after the first two games, which were uh, pretty ugly, especially that first one, that first one was ugly. And we were all talking about this potentially being the most boring final series of all time. We've had uh, three pretty pretty decent games in a row, and let's keep this momentum up. Let's keep making the series close because this has been really exciting and really fun. Next, I do want to talk about Thursday night football real quick. Uh, we had Bears versus Buccaneers in this one, and uh, Tom Brady, man. Uh, Tom Brady had an interesting game in this one. He didn't play necessarily very awful, uh, but they did get out to a pretty big lead, uh, and then Tom Brady just choked, to be honest, at the end of the game uh, with, him, with him holding up the four fingers. He, and I feel like he knew. He knew what was happening. He knew that it was fourth down on that play, and he was just embarrassed that he made that throw because that throw was... That throw was just not it at all, and that was a huge choke in a super clutch moment. That's something you usually don't see out of Tom Brady, as he's usually just always calm, cool, and collected, knows what happening, what's happening at all times, and is ready for any moment. But yeah, he just, he just messed up bad in this play, and it's not like the Buccaneers played super bad. I'm not worried about the Buccaneers at all. Uh, they're still missing Chris Godwin which is just a huge piece for them. And I've been so impressed by their running game. Ronald Jones is having a hell of a season. Their offensive line has been way better than I expected. He had 106 yards and 6.2 uh, average yards per carry on this one. He was really, really good. Uh, Gronk, we saw have a pretty good game with him getting 52 yards. Mike Evans, uh, 41 yards and a touchdown. He's been He's been just phenomenal for them. Uh, whenever in the, they're in the red zone, I trust Mike Evans to get the ball, and he's been doing great at that. He's had a lot of those really short touchdowns, but they've been just super nice as he's been a uh, huge just uh, security blanket for Brady to go to whenever he wants to. And this defense has also looked really impressive. Uh, they didn't look as great as they have uh, in the previous games in this one, but overall they still looked really impressive. And again, not worried about the Buccaneers, not worried about Tom Brady, even though that was a huge blunder at the end. And yeah, that's something that you never expect out of Tom Brady to make a play like that. But at the end of the day, that's what happened. You can't change anything about it. And that was just an unfortunate moment for the Buccaneers. And I just want, I want them to be good because I'm a huge Tom Brady fan as a uh, lifelong Patriots fan ever since I started watching football just because I'm from the New England area uh, that's the team I had to root for basically and I love Tom Brady I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time um, and I think he's one of the most clutch players in uh, just sports history in general but again that was a huge blunder still not worried about them and I just want to see them at full strength 
I've been waiting for Chris Godwin to come back for so long because that's why everyone was so excited to see this team is because you're going to have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and then O.J. Howard's going to uh, be injured and looks like he'll be out for, I think, the whole season, which is super unfortunate for them. Uh, and then Gronk has been a bit iffy so far this season, even though his blocking is still there. Uh, the receiving, he's just looked a little bit slow in that game. Uh, so hopefully Chris Godwin can be back soon because I just want to see this team at full power. I want to see Tom Brady uh, have all of his weapons unlocked. But on the bear side, Nick Foles at the beginning was looking ugly. He made some very terrible throws. The interception, I can't really blame on him. It was just an incredible play for from the defender. But it wasn't even like he was. Th- it was because he was throwing interceptions. But he was just missing open guys a lot. And it was like, oh, no, are we going to have to put Mitchell Trubisky back in? Because this was not looking good at all. Uh, but he did have a pretty nice uh, uh, just second quarter and on. It was really the first quarter that stood out as bad from him. But from then on, he was very, very solid. Uh, made some really nice throws and just made some timely plays uh, towards the end of that game to help lead this Bears team to the win. Allen Robinson was huge for him as he's been incredible this season. They need to extend this man as he's been given uh, some of the worst quarterbacks in the league as far as just his situation. And he is still he still shows up every single year and is one of the best receivers in the NFL. They need to extend him. Uh, they need to keep him happy because he's just such a big piece for them. And he's been uh, key for them being 4-1. and one. It's really impressive how they've started off the season, even though some of those games were a bit, were a bit iffy. Like, the 3-0 and o was the least confident 3-0 and o I've ever, like, seen with uh, what happened in the Lions game with the dropped uh, touchdown to win the game and then just facing overall some easy competition. But at the end of the day, you ha- you got to win those easy games, and then you got to show up and beat some tough teams, and the Buccaneers are a tough team. So this was a really good win for them. Uh, Jimmy Graham had that incredible touchdown. That was one of the best catches we've seen all year, the one-handed catch in the end zone. A really, really nice play from him. Uh, looked like he turned back the clock on that one, and that was, that was fun to watch. Uh, and their defense played uh, pretty decent. Khalil Mack was incredible this game. Two sacks, two tackles for loss. He was just throwing everyone off of him. And Khalil Mack is just an f- absolute force of nature. Like, he is he is insane. Uh, and Kyle Fuller had a forced fumble in this one, which was recovered by Robert Quinn. Just overall, their defense played very, very solid. Uh, and I, I love watching Khalil Mack's so much he's just so incredible even when he's not getting sacks he's always putting pressure on the quarterback and he's just a physical specimen who also has the mix of technique with him and he's just an unstoppable player so yeah shout out to him he was really fun to watch in this one Uh, i do want to talk next about bill o'brien finally being fired by the houston texans oh my goodness this is so exciting to see as Bill O'Brien's ego has completely ruined this Texans team. He is one of the most incompetent uh, GMs I have seen in a long, long time. With the way he treated DeAndre Hopkins and didn't extend him because he said he was asking for too much and then traded him for absolutely nothing. You traded him for a second-round pick, and David Johnson, who, while being a very talented player, is, first of all, a running back who is overpaid and has been injured for years now. And we saw this frustration with uh, J.J. Watt. I guess he... uh, Well, it came out that he had a heated exchange with Bill O'Brien where he was just lashing out on him and i mean we're seeing this this team is 0 and 4 and doesn't have their first or second round draft pick because they trade they finally actually traded for one offensive lineman to help deshaun watson this team has been built so terribly around deshaun watson where they don't have a number one guy this season because you traded away deandre hopkins for nothing 
and they don't really have that much of a running game because David Johnson is basically washed at this point. And uh, their offensive line still isn't really good, even though they've tried to make moves to help that. They didn't have a good draft uh, last year, in my opinion. Their defense sucks. Like, this team, while having some talented players on it, I mean, Deshaun Watson is incredible. J.J. Watt, one of the best defensive players in the NFL for years now, just whenever he's on the field. Uh, But this team has sucked this year. And like I said, they do not own their first or second round draft pick. That is concerning, and they have been giving a tough schedule. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can't you can't start out zero and four, and it's so good that they finally fired him because he has just ruined this team for years now. Made so many boneheaded decisions, and so many decisions based on his ego and not for the best of the team. So this needed to happen and this is you must be so happy any texans fan uh you must be so happy that this man is gone because i know texans fans do not like him at all and especially when you got a guy like jj watt who's your best player and who's been the staple of that franchise for so long uh and they're getting in a heated verbal exchange you got to get rid of this man. And it seemed like he just completely lost the team from everything we've heard of and that they were all against him. So you got to get rid of that. And hopefully this can just be a fresh start for them. Uh, hopefully they can see some change because it's looking ugly so far and things are just not looking good at all. But yeah, I'm I'm happy this has finally happened for the Texans. We needed to see the to see this for a long time now and yeah it's it's a it's a good sign for sure and just hopefully this could be a positive move for them uh in the future and in time to come next i want to talk about the Dwayne haskins benching now this has been one of the most interesting uh just situations to follow throughout these past couple days as Dwayne haskins is not only the second string quarterback first of all he is the third string quarterback behind Kyle Allen and Josh uh wait uh between Kyle Allen and uh what is his name uh why why am I completely blanking it I don't know why I can't think of their name right now let me look at the Redskins depth chart uh or not football team depth chart my bad football team depth chart I don't know why uh Alex Smith Jesus I'm I'm sorry <laughs> that just completely uh, blanked my mind but Dwayne Haskins is the third string quarterback and at practice he wasn't even getting snaps a practice squad quarterback was getting snaps over Dwayne Haskins and that is concerning and I know Dwayne Haskins hasn't started off the season good that is completely true he uh, has plenty of plenty of issues he's missed a lot of open receivers uh, he's just not thrown the ball sometimes. Sometimes he's missing it really bad. But at the end of the day, he's put in a really bad situation with a really bad team, with a bad offensive line, with bad receiver help other than Terry McLaurin. And the thing that I don't understand is what does putting in Kyle Allen do other than hurt Dwayne Haskins' confidence and make it look like you're completely giving up after giving up on him? And the thing that concerned me the most was the not getting snaps at practice with a, a practice squad quarterback being over him. That was really concerning because I don't think they're realizing what they're doing to this guy's confidence. He's a young, he's a young dude. He's 23 years old in the highest level football league in the entire world. It's going to be a tough transition, especially with him being a quarterback and uh, just historically, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't done the best, so it was going to be a transition. And even though they're saying it's not like they've uh, given up on uh, Dwayne Haskins, from all their actions, it seems like they're giving up on Dwayne Haskins. And, I mean, this could go uh, two ways. This could go uh, where a fire is lit under him, uh, and even though he's benched next season, he's in for a big season because he's going to work really really hard Uh, he's gonna 
constantly be watching film, uh, just constantly working on his game, and that could happen. But also, this could completely put his confidence in the dumps and ruin his career. This could go very, very bad, which is concerning because let's not forget, this man was the 15th overall pick. And for him to already be benched, that is concerning. And again, he's the third string quarterback. Uh, and I just don't know what putting in Kyle Allen does, to be totally honest, because Kyle Allen is fine, but like he is not a starting quarterback at all. He's a player that can start some games, but you do not want him as your starter at all. And then, like Alex Smith, I would love to see Alex Smith play because obviously he's gone through so much with that gruesome leg injury that he had. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets any playtime because uh, we just haven't seen him throw football in so long. And he's a player who's a very, very solid quarterback for a long time. And like I said, had to deal with that terrible injury. So I'm just interested about football team's future and, uh, and Dwayne Haskins' future. Dwayne Haskins' future just in the league and uh, on this team is something that's super up in the air right now and is super interesting. Lastly, I'm going to be reacting to a Bleacher Report article, which is something that I'll probably be doing uh, more and more in these episodes as they come up. As we're getting into the offseason, I'll be reacting to more trade articles, more free agency articles. And this one is one blockbuster trade uh, idea for every NBA team. First, starting off with the Atlanta Hawks. Now, this trade is uh, John Collins and Kevin Herter to the Golden State Warriors for the number uh, two overall pick in this draft. Now, uh, in a lot of Bleacher Report articles, as I do like reading these trade articles and watching YouTubers uh, like Kenny Beecham uh, react to these articles, I've heard a lot of rumors of them uh, trading John Collins, which is interesting as he had a great season for them this year. He averaged like 20 and 10 on like 50, 40, 80 shooting. He was incredible, even though his defense could definitely use some work for sure. Uh, and this Atlanta team needs as much defense as it can get with uh, Trey Young. Being who Trey Young is, I think they're still going to be fine with paying John Collins as he's up for an extension, and I wouldn't be surprised as soon as they could give him that extension that he gets it because he's just a super talented player. Now, if they can't agree on the money aspect of this this would be a really interesting trade as they get the number two overall pick they could get a guy like anthony edwards as they needed uh some more perimeter creation next to trey young uh so that would be really interesting i mean they could do basically anything they want with that second overall pick but i just think they're going to keep john collins keep kevin herter roll with this young core they drafted these guys for a reason and i just i just don't think this is a a move that will happen even though it would be interesting uh, depending on what the current conversations are between John Collins and the Hawks about his uh, potential extension for the Boston Celtics this is a trade that's been thrown around a lot this is a trade that I really like uh, Gordon Hayward for Miles Turner Jeremy Lamb and Aaron Holiday now I am actually more of a fan of the Gordon Hayward for Miles Turner and Doug McDermott trade and maybe we throw in a pick uh, in there but this trade would be interesting too as the Celtics could get a very solid backup point guard in Aaron Holiday a player in Jeremy Lamb who uh, I have no clue what to think about because he had a terrible uh, leg injury where he basically destroyed everything in his knee praying for a good recovery from him because that was awful to watch uh, but just as a trade asset he's basically nothing right now just because of that injury and then miles turner a player that would fit the celtics so perfectly uh, this one something i talked about in the what's next video for the celtics is that just miles turner would be the perfect piece for them because he's uh, a very good three-point shooter for a center he's a solid mid-range shooter for a center as well uh, and then he brings that defense that the Celtics need at the center position. He isn't the best rebounder in the world, but the Celtics actually have very solid rebounders, even though they don't really have that center rebounding. Their wings are really good at uh, going up to get it. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both very solid rebounders. And I just like this trade a lot. I love the idea of the Celtics getting Aaron Holiday too, as I'm sick of seeing Brad Wanamaker on the court 
And I just think this would be a fun trade, and I actually like it for both teams. I like the Gordon Hayward fit for Indiana. He's a very Indiana Pacers type guy, just a very, very solid player. When he's healthy, he is a damn good player, like a 17-5-5 guy on good splits, solid defense. He's super solid. It's just about his health, and then the Celtics trying to get a better fit. Uh, But I like this move for the most part uh, for both teams. Next, we got, this is a very interesting one for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, This is them trading Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Nicholas Claxton to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday. Now, this is obviously them going all in, trying to get that third star, and a guy that I think would fit beautifully next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. As uh, I think the biggest weakness for them is they, other than the four spot, which is something that they need to address, uh, I think that'd be... Uh, their biggest weakness would be perimeter defense. And Drew Holiday is one of the best perimeter uh, defenders in the entire league. He should have been an all-defensive player. It's ridiculous how um, many times they keep robbing him. Putting guys like Patrick Beverly over him is a disgrace. Uh, But he definitely deserved it. And he's also a very solid playmaker, which is something they can use. And a decent scorer as well. Another guy who could uh, just... Uh, create their own shot and create for others he'd be some nice insurance also if Kyrie Irving and uh if Kyrie Irving's injured then you could still have Spencer Dinwiddie and him in which would still give them plenty of shot creation plenty of scoring and good uh good playmaking and then obviously you're trading some young guys you're trading Nicholas Claxton who they drafted early in the second round who I like a lot they traded they're trading uh Jared Allen who I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does get traded just because of the conflict that's happening uh, between him and DeAndre Jordan about who should be the starting center and then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's relationship with uh, DeAndre Jordan. And he's even though he's a good player, he's a player that you uh, you can get pretty easily. He's a run uh, jump and dunk center who is a very uh, good shot blocker and defender as well. So it's not like he's the most easy to replace player in the world, but you can get a player in his archetype. Uh, that can play like 20 minutes a game. But the big piece is obviously Karis LeVert, who uh, looked like a star in the bubble. He played really, really good. Uh, and it's it's interesting uh, what they're going to do with Karis LeVert, as they've been heavily rumored to get a third star. And even though I like Karis LeVert a lot and think he's a really good player, I just don't know about the fit necessarily between uh, him and... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as he's not a very good off-ball shooter uh, he's not a great defender and he's more of a guy who you want creating his own shot he definitely showed some nice things as a playmaker but his best ability is to create his own shot so I wouldn't be surprised for them uh, to trade him at all and then it would be some really nice pieces to the Pelicans uh, that young core would be insane a lineup of Lonzo Ball uh, Karis LeVert Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Jared Allen. Like, come on. And you still got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, uh, Frank Jackson even. He's a, a kind of a younger player. You may believe in Nicholas Claxton. You got those guys off the bench. Uh, you got guys like Josh Hart. That'd be really fun. And I actually like that trade for both sides. That'd be a really fun one. This one, we got uh, the Charlotte Hornets, Nicholas Batum in the 32nd pick uh, for Blake Griffin. I don't really feel much about this trade. I mean, it'd be a salary dump for uh, the Pistons, and uh, the Hornets could get some guy could get a guy who is extremely talented, but has dealt with injuries and looked terrible this season. So, I mean, uh, this is kind of just a lateral move for both teams, to be honest, because I don't really believe in Blake Griffin to be a very good basketball player anymore. He just that injury made him look so bad this year. And then it would just be a salary dump for the Pistons to get rid of a contract earlier. And then uh, the Hornets would probably just want more people in their seats. But I don't really feel much about that one. Next, we got Zach Levine and Lowry Markinen to the Timberwolves for James Johnson, Jarrett Culver, and the first overall pick. Uh, I don't really see this trade happening. Just with this draft especially, I don't see this pick having that much value, especially for them to trade Zach Levine and Lowry Markkinen. 
Uh, Larry had a super disappointing season, but I think he's in for a big season next year. And then Zach had a great season, uh, had his best season as a pro yet. And I just think the Bulls should keep this young core together. Now, if it doesn't work out with a new coach who's proven to be a solid coach in Billy Donovan, then I think it'd be time to make some moves. But for now, I would just keep uh, what they have and just see how it works out. I wouldn't give it up for the number one pick, especially in this draft. And then on the Timberwolves side, bro, that defense is already bad. You want a lineup of D'Angelo Russell, Zach Levine, Lowry Markinen, and Carl Anthony Towns on the floor. You guys, you guys may score 150 points a game, but you're also giving up 160. So I don't like this trade for either side, to be honest. Uh, next, we got the Cleveland Cavaliers trading Kevin Love to the Wizards for Thomas Bryant, Ish Smith, Jerome Robinson, and the 37th pick. Uh, this is an interesting one as. Uh, Thomas Bryant is a young guy who I like a lot and showed some really nice signs in the bubble, uh, especially with his shooting ability. That was something that was really exciting to see. Uh, and then Kevin Love, this would be a move if the Wizards really wanted to go uh, kind of all in on next season and try and uh, get as high as they can. This would be, uh, for me, at least pretty dependent on John Wall and how healthy they think he is because, I mean, if John Wall is healthy and the guy we've seen him be in the past, then, I mean, this would make a really fun big three, and it's not like they're giving up a crazy amount of value. Basically, the really only valuable guy is Thomas Bryant. So I, I, I like this trade for either side, even though it would put the Wizards in a pretty bad cap situation. So they may not want to do that, especially with Rui Hachimura being a power forward and them having Davis Bertans. Uh, this would be a move, I would say, if Davis Bertans left. And then maybe they uh, put Rui Hachimura at the three. Or maybe we see a lot of small ball with Kevin oh, Love at the five. And Rui Hachimura at the three, uh, at the four, I mean. And then Troy Brown Jr. at the three. That'd be, that'd be a fun lineup. So I could, I could see this, even though I don't necessarily expect it to happen. Next trade we got for the Dallas Mavericks. Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleber, number 18th and 31st pick. Uh, to the Trailblazers for C.J. McCollum. Now, on the Dallas Mavericks side, I think this is a beautiful trade. They're getting rid of two very nice players for the team in Tim Hardaway and Maxi Kleber, and they're giving up uh, two basically first-round picks. But at the end of the day, CJ McCollum is a bucket getter, and that's something that I would like to see next to Luka is just another guy who they can rely on at the end of the game uh, to get buckets. And... The Mavs are a team that could be a real championship contender by next season. So maybe they go all in for a guy like CJ McCollum. So I like this trade for the Mavericks a lot. But for the Trailblazers, I just don't think this is enough value for CJ McCollum. Maxi Kleber is a solid player. Tim Hardaway Jr., solid player. Neither of those players are getting any better. And then they're getting uh, the 18th pick and then the 31st pick. I just really don't like this move that much for uh for the trailblazers as it's just a super lateral move for them uh and they probably just get a little bit worse get some young guys and i just really don't like this but i love this for the mavericks and i would actually like them more to do a move similar to this with the tim hardaway jr 18th pick and maybe the 31st pick and get a guy like victor Oladipo instead because i think that would be a move that made more sense on both sides uh, next, we got the Denver Nuggets. This has been a move that's been rumored for a while, is getting Bradley Beal on their team. The trade that uh, Bleacher Report drew up is Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Monte Morris, and the 22nd pick uh, to the Wizards for Bradley Beal. Now, if the Wizards were to trade Bradley Beal, this is a lot of value for him. You're getting Michael Porter Jr., who... I believe is going to be a star in this league, basically guaranteed. I'm so confident in his game. He's phenomenal. Monte Moore, super solid backup point guard. And then the number 22nd pick. I like this move for uh, the Wizards if they were to trade Bradley Beal. And then for the Nuggets, this would be them going all in, uh, trying to make a championship run. And you got three stars on your team, even though you got to give up a young guy in Michael Porter Jr., who they probably really like. Monte Morris, a guy who they probably really like. Gary Harris, uh, someone who's been a super solid defender for them and showed uh, some better offensive potential uh, in the bubble. 
and then the 22nd pick. But this could be a move I could see for both sides. I just don't see the Wizards giving up Bradley Beal. But if they did, this would be a good haul for him. Uh, next, we got the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Derek Rose for, uh, to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma and Avery Bradley. Love this move for the Lakers. Derek Rose, nice guy who can grade his shot. Uh, but for the Pistons, I think you could get more value out of Derek Rose. I think you could at least get a late first-round pick. And Kyle Kuzma isn't really that good, and Avery Bradley's old. So I don't like that move for the Pistons. I would like to see them try and get like a late first-round pick instead. Next, oh, we got a massive one in this one. Air. Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney, Jordan Poole, and the second pick to the 76 for Ben Simmons and Al Horford. This is a crazy move, and I just can't see this happening at all. Now, for the Warriors, this would be incredible. <laughs> this would be so exciting to see. Imagine a lineup of Steph Curry, Klay uh, Thompson, Ben Simmons, Al Horford, uh, Draymond Green, maybe Eric Pascal. That'd be really exciting. But on the 76er side, especially, like I said, this draft is just not a superstar heavy draft. This is not enough value for Ben Simmons at all. Uh, the number second pick, you're you're almost a 0% chance I'd give them to get a guy who's going to be as good as Ben Simmons ever is right now. So I just don't like this trade for the 76ers simply enough. The Houston Rockets. Uh, this has been a trade that has been talked about a lot. Eric Gordon to the 76ers for Al Horford. I think this move makes sense on both sides. This would be the Rockets getting a new coach, getting a guy who doesn't want want to run the full-time small ball, maybe wants to do it sometimes, but not for the entire game. Uh, gives the 76ers the guy who had a bit of a down season but can shoot the ball and would be a nice offensive threat for them. like the move on both sides. Uh, next, we got the Indiana Pacers trading Victor Oladipo for the, to the Heat for Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, and Kelly Olynyk. Uh, this is an interesting move. It's a weird situation with Victor Oladipo where it's really up in the air if he actually wants to be traded or not because he denied it, but the reports came out. It's it's weird. And then if they were to trade him, I, I think this is a decent move for them. I mean, Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson are two young guys who will probably be pretty good. And then Kelly Olenek is uh, just there for contract filler. But it's not my favorite move for Victor Oladipo. I think they could get more value. I think the trade to the Mavericks uh, would make a little more sense just with them giving up some of their picks. Uh, but, I mean, this isn't the worst move. And then for the Heath side, Victor Oladipo has been rumored there forever. And I do like the fit of that a lot. He's a guy who would be really fun next to Jimmy Butler. And that defense would be super exciting. Uh, the Clippers, we got Montrez Harrell and Landry Shamit. This would be a sign-and-trade. Uh, forced uh, to the Thunder for Steven Adams. Now, this is a pretty interesting one, as it does help the Clippers' uh, weakness that was exposed a lot, which is just their interior defense and their size, as Avika Zubak is solid, but uh, you really don't want him being on a guy like Anthony Davis or a guy like Nikola Jokic for an entire game because he's going to get in foul trouble pretty easy. And... Uh, I mean, I like this move for the Clippers. It isn't my favorite move in the world, but it's not It's uh, not my least favorite either. I'm kind of just in the middle on it. And then for the Thunder, I mean, you get a young guy in Landry Shamit who I do like. And then you get Montrezl Harrell, who would just be solid for them and would be a nice pick-and-roll guy uh, next to some of their guards. So I, I, I say it's pretty even for uh, both teams, and I like it. Uh, next, we got Lakers. We got Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, KCP, and Alex Caruso to the Thunder for Chris Paul. Uh, to be honest, don't like this trade for either side. Uh, I mean, for the Lakers, it gets them better, but you're signing literally only vet minimum players uh, on your roster. And you have a good big three, but you have nothing else on your roster and especially with us not knowing what's going to happen with the cap, I just I just can't see this, especially with how big his contract is. And then for the Thunder, you're not getting any value for Chris Paul. You're getting Kyle Kuzma and then uh, two older players on expiring contracts and Alex Caruso. Like, I just don't like this trade, to be honest. I would like uh, Chris Paul to the Bucks just makes way more sense for me. Uh we got this one, the Memphis Grizzlies trading for Buddy Heald. I, this is an interesting fit. I actually like this. Justice Winslow, Kyle Anderson, 
and Grayson Allen to the Kings for Buddy Heald. Uh, I actually like this fit a lot. I think he'd be super exciting next to John Morant. Uh, the three-point shooting on that team would be really good with him and Jaron Jackson Jr. both being on the same floor. And uh, uh, he obviously wants to get away from the Kings as they uh, just seem to not be able to agree on anything at this point. He doesn't like Luke Walton. He just doesn't like his situation at all. And you always want to trade an unhappy player. So I'd be excited to see that. And then uh, Justice Winslow is a player who I just like a lot, but just can't stay healthy. I love his point forward potential and stuff like that, uh, but he just hasn't been able to stay on the floor. And, I mean, Kyle Anderson, eh. And then Grayson Allen, I mean, he showed some nice signs, so that's interesting. Uh, the Miami Heat, Bam and Abayo, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and Kelly Olynyk for Joel Embiid. Now, if I'm the 76ers, I'm taking this immediately. Uh, Joel Embiid's health is a question, and I mean, he's not this super young guy anymore, and I just don't know how confident I feel in him having a long career, and then Bam Adebayo is someone I'm super confident is going to be phenomenal in this league for so many years to come. Duncan Robinson is literally the pitcher-perfect guy next to Ben Simmons, Kendrick Nunn, uh, and then Kelly Olenek, another guy you'd like next to Ben Simmons. Uh so for the 76ers, I think this is a beautiful trade, and I would love this. But for the Heat, don't like it at all. I would just much rather have them keep the guys around. I know Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid have a really good relationship and have a good friendship off the court, uh, but I just don't like this for them. But for 76ers, this would be a lot of value for uh, Joel Embiid, and I think it would be great. Now, this is the trade that I like way more for Chris Paul, which is Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Ursan Ilyasova, and the 24th pick to the Thunder for Chris Paul. Uh, this would be a beautiful trade for both sides. It really helps Thunder's main weaknesses. I mean, the Bucks' main weaknesses. Gets the Thunder, a nice young guy in Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, who... Uh, I guess has some potential, and then the 24th pick, you're getting rid of the contract, getting some uh, younger guys, and then getting some older guys who are on expiring contracts, and then, uh, and I just love this trade so much, because it helps the Bucks' main weaknesses, which is uh, shot creation, and having a guy to go to at the end of the game, and they could use some more playmaking too, uh, this is a beautiful trade for both sides, I would pull the trigger 100 times out of 100. The Minnesota Timberwolves, Jarrett Culver, James Johnson, and the number one pick to the Pacers for Victor Oladipo. I don't like this. Uh, Victor Oladipo just hasn't shown me enough for me to be confident in trading that much for him. Even though Jarrett Culver had a really bad rookie season, he's still a young guy with potential. And then the number one pick, too. I just... I just don't like that move for the Timberwolves. I do like the fit of Victor Oladipo, especially next to a guy like D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, but I just don't like that much value for him, even though the fit's uh, fun. And then, I'd, I mean, I'd like this move for the Pacers if they want to get a little bit younger. Uh, that'd be interesting. The New Orleans Pelicans, we got Drew Holiday to the Heat for Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Dunn, and Kelly Olenek. Now, you can get way more value out of uh, Drew Holiday. There's no way that would be the best trade that's available to them. Uh, they would need to get at least a first-round pick in this, and it's not even like uh, Duncan Robinson, great player. Don't get me wrong. He would be beautiful next to Zion. He'd be a beautiful guy for Lonzo Ball to hit. Uh, Kedrick Nunn is a cool player, and Kelly Olynyk, uh, an older player on uh, a fine contract, I guess. Uh, but I just don't think this is a good move for the Pelicans. Now for the Heat. Oh my God, Jimmy Butler and uh, and Drew Holiday on the wing on defense with Bam Adebayo too. Who's scoring on that team? Uh, the defense would be absolutely incredible and the offense would still be very good. So I think that's a great move for the Heat, but don't like it for the Pelicans and think they could get more valuable. Uh, the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson and the number eight pick for the number two pick. Hmm. Uh... I don't know what to think about this one because Mitchell Robinson is really good. Mitchell Robinson is incredible, especially on the defensive end, and he's so athletic. And then the number eight pick. The only way I would do this trade if LaMelo Ball is still available, and uh, from everything that I've heard, it sounds like the Timberwolves are drafting him. So if this didn't happen, I just don't like this move for the Knicks. Uh, but if it did, 
if he did uh, slide past the number one pick, then it would be uh, a little. It would be a little interesting for sure, because uh, the Lamelo Ball to New York thing would be really exciting, and I think that's a pretty decent value. So, I mean, I'd like that. And then for the Thunder, they just did the exact same trade uh, with the Bucks. Like I said, like that on both sides. So, nothing really else to say. The Magic we got Nikola Vucevic, Africa Minu for. Uh, to the Warriors for Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, and the number two pick. This one's a really interesting one. This would make the Warriors' uh, offense super dynamic, having uh, having Nikola Vucevic at center, the shooting that would be there. Afro is a solid wing. And then, I mean, for the Magic, you're getting younger, you're getting Andrew Wiggins, uh, you're getting Jordan Poole, and you're getting the second pick. I actually like this move for both sides, to be honest. This would be the Warriors going all in, and I like that. Uh, the 76ers, we got Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson for Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. Uh, I'm kind of just in the middle on both sides. I I love the Buddy Heald fit uh, for the 76ers, but I just don't know if the Kings would be willing to take on the Tobias Harris contract. I don't know if anybody's willing to take that on because that is a terrible contract. Josh Richardson is a solid piece, and I mean, uh, they would still be a good team with this. They're getting two very solid players. Like, Tobias Harris is good. He's just overpaid. So, I mean, if they wanted to be good, that'd be a good move. And then for the 76ers, uh, you're getting Buddy Heald, who fits beautifully, and then Harrison Barnes, who'd be kind of just a, pre- a uh, very downgraded version of Tobias Harris. So, I mean... That's a cool move for both sides, I guess. The Phoenix Suns, Kelly Oubre and Ty Jerome for the Magic, uh, to the Magic for Aaron Gordon. Uh, I actually really, really like this fit for the uh, Suns as the biggest thing that's missing for them. I think they could really use an athletic four uh, who can run the floor, play defense, and be a solid three-point shooter. And then the Magic at Kelly Oubre who's really solid and Ty Jerome who's a younger player. So this, this is definitely a cool trade for both sides. I mess with that. Uh, okay, we got the Portland Trailblazers, C.J. McCollum, Anthony Simons, the 16th pick, and the 22, uh, 2022 first-round pick, which is top five protected, to the 76ers for Ben Simmons. Uh, now, this would be a really interesting one, as I actually like this fit for both teams. The C.J. McCollum uh, to the 76ers has been something that's been talked about for a while. I really like Anthony Simons, and they get two picks. And then Ben Simmons would be crazy on this Trailblazers team, having Damian Lillard to hit uh, as a shooter, and then he'd be he'd be able to be that full time four man. He would have Yusuf Nurkic next to him. Uh, this would be exciting to see, but I just don't think the 76ers are willing to give up Ben Simmons yet, even though it'd be fun. Uh, next, we got Buddy Hill to the Spurs for Lamarcus Aldridge and Lonnie Walker. Now for Ah, I just don't know if I really like this for either side, to be honest, because Buddy Heald is like 27, so it's not like the Spurs are getting super younger, and I love Lonnie Walker. I think Lonnie Walker's going to be so good in this league, and I just don't know if this trade necessarily makes a ton of sense for either sides, really, because I just don't, I don't really think Buddy Heald does much for the Spurs, and then I don't know if they'd want to be uh, give up Lonnie Walker because, like I said, I love Lonnie Walker and think his potential is really good. I mean, uh, it's interesting, but I just wouldn't do that to be honest. Uh, we got the Spurs again: Lamarcus Aldridge, Derek White for Karis Levert, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, and the number nineteenth pick from uh, Philadelphia. I don't really like this one either, to be honest. I just don't think Lamarcus Aldridge has that much value. I, I know you're throwing Derek White in there, too, who's a really, really nice player. But you're getting Karis LeVert and Jared Allen for LaMarcus Aldridge and Derek White. And then on the I mean, on the uh, net side, I just I just don't really uh, know LaMarcus Aldridge's fit in the league as a whole. So I don't really know if I'd be willing to trade that much for him. I'd honestly only be willing to trade Karis LeVert. I'd only be willing to trade that package, to be honest, if you're getting a third star, which you're not in this, as LaMarcus Aldridge is not a star anymore. Okay, the Toronto Raptors, a Fred Van Vliet sign-in trade to the Pacers for Victor Oladipo. 
this would be a pretty exciting one uh, with the Pacers getting a really nice player and would create a really fun backcourt with him and Malcolm Brogdon. And then the pace, uh, and then the Raptors are getting Fred Van Vliet. Uh, I mean, the Raptors are getting Victor Aldipo, who'd be really exciting uh, next to Kyle Lowry and cre- would create one of the best defensive backcourts in the whole league. So I actually like this move for both sides, but it'd just be depending on how much uh, money Fred Van Vliet wants and how long of a contract. Uh, because if it's not like the worst contract in the world, I would just keep him as the Raptors. Uh, but this is an interesting one for sure, and it would preserve their 2021 cap space, which is something it looks like they want to do. Oh, the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert in the 23rd pick for this to the 76ers for Joel Embiid. Uh, for the Utah Jazz, hell yeah. For the 76ers, hell no. Simple as that. <laughs> the Washington Wizards, Bradley Beal to the Heat for Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Dunn, and Kelly Olynyk. Uh... That's an interesting one for sure. It's, I think Tyler Hero could be really good, but is that enough value for Bradley Beal? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, even though I like that. I do like the idea. I just I just think that they would need some more picks. But if he threw in some more picks, then I could definitely see this trade, and I'd love it for the Heat, and I think it'd be exciting for the Wizards to get some really nice young guys. Yeah, that's been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Hope you enjoyed. And, yeah, it's Michael. Peace out.